Wednesday night. It's Bible study time. And more than that, it's the Word of God that we're going to go to. And I pray that you will open your heart as you open the Word of God tonight. And I'm taking you to the book of Luke chapter 11. And when service is over tonight, we're going to have a baptism. Excited about that? Amen. I think we've got three to be baptized this weekend, so that's even better. And uh, who knows who else might be uh, challenged by the Word of God to be obedient to the Word. Thankful to have the Frizzells. Hopefully we'll get to hear from him Sunday night. You're going to be here, all right? He didn't know anything about that till just now, but amen. So glad that they're here share with you some of the wonderful things that are happening in Thailand and in uh, Cambodia. Work of God that penetrating the prison of communism and hate. Power of God prevails over all of that. Luke chapter 11. Before I read it, I hope that you will not turn me off too quickly because I do feel like God has... He has stirred me. I don't know. It's been a long time since anything has really gotten a hold of my thinking and my spirit like this particular portion of Scripture has. But I was going through some study last week or week before last, and I was not even studying this particular thought, but I turned uh, in a reference book and something was mentioned, and I got to thinking about it. And the more I thought about it, it just kind of erupted inside of me. And it has been bubbling over. I'm going to begin tonight. That's all I can tell you. I will not finish. But we're going to take a a look again at a very old and familiar portion of Scripture and an old and familiar subject. Perhaps God will shed a new light on it for all of us tonight. Luke 11, verse 1. And it came to pass... That as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he, being Jesus, said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, or in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil." And everybody knows that that particular prayer is called the Lord's Prayer. But how many of you know that's not really the Lord's Prayer? That's the disciples' prayer. And so tonight, I want to talk to you about the power there is in prayer. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It's strange but true that most people are intimidated by the thought of prayer. 
It is sad but true that even here in this room tonight, there are many that when we mention prayer, it just kind of sends a shiver up their spine. They become weak and they immediately begin to find a way to excuse themselves. It's always been uh, humorous to me in some ways, but it's not humorous, that we can have a play night and we can fill our family center up with people. Some people that don't even come to church once a Sunday will come for that. But if we have a prayer night, how difficult it is to get people to come to pray. Not because we don't necessarily want to pray. I think more than anything, it's because so many feel like they don't know how to pray. And there are a lot of people even here perhaps tonight that when that word prayer is mentioned, it just makes you tense. Because immediately you begin to feel your inadequacies and there is something about prayer that makes you feel overwhelmed. Because I, I, I've heard it and you've heard it said, I don't know how to pray. And those that say, I don't know how to pray, are joined by those who say, well, Brother Hughes, when I do pray, nothing happens. So there are many of us that are afraid to pray, and there are many who are here tonight that have forgotten about prayer simply because of the insecurities that you feel about it. And yet, listen to me, carefully listen to what I'm about to tell you. When we fail to pray, we undermine the very foundation of our peace. And we undermine the very strength of our life when we fail to pray. And we sap our life of the strength and confidence that we need to live victoriously and to live the way God wants us to live. So tonight I come with a mission. I come hoping to somehow shed a light on prayer that some of you have never seen or let you see prayer in a way that you have never seen it before. Because what you are going to hear tonight is what true prayer is. And I hope that I can dispel perhaps some myths about prayer, but more than anything, I am going to deal with the, the truth of what true prayer is. And if I could cast a light on prayer that could encourage you to pray a little more, my, what would happen in your lives in, in the life of this church. If somehow tonight I could shed a light on prayer that would make prayer appealing to you or it would make something about prayer desirous, I believe there would be a transformation 
that would come to you, to your life, to your family, and to those who are around you. Now the fact is, other than the 23rd Psalm, this is perhaps one of the best known and most recognizable passages of Scripture that there is in the Bible. People can quote the 23rd Psalm, and most people, when you begin to quote the Lord's Prayer, can join with you and quote that prayer as well. It is often quoted in the liturgical worship of some churches. And sad but true, there are some who feel that they have actually prayed when they have merely repeated these words. And that is a fallacy. A person has not prayed just by repeating those words because he did not give you words to pray. He gave us a pattern to pray by. And when we learn that principle about prayer, it transforms prayer in our life. It is a fact that you and I sometimes think that if we go through a certain ritual that God is obligated to do something about that ritual. But that is not what this prayer is about. It is not about ritual. It is not about formality. It's not about memorizing these phrases so that you can say them in their exactness. If that's all that you see in this prayer, and that's all that you get out of this portion of Scripture, then you are cheating yourself out of the real power that is in the message of this prayer. What I want to draw your attention to for a few moments tonight is the setting. And I like Luke's uh, particular rendition of this, uh, this prayer. Matthew recorded the prayer as well. But Matthew included this prayer in what we call the Beatitudes. And it is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And there are a lot of people that think that Jesus sat down one day and he just started teaching and he went through all of those things in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I don't believe that. I believe because Matthew was a tax collector and he was used to accumulating data, when he sat down to write under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he wrote in that frame of mind. He gathered together all of those things that he had heard taught and he put them together in one part, one package, so that you could easily recognize them. Luke seems to put them more into the actual time in which they took place. Because it was after the ministry of Jesus had taken root and there were many things going on. They had seen the miracles. They had witnessed the power of this one called Jesus. They had experienced the mercy of His forgiveness. They had seen the authority of His Word. They had felt the impact of His love. And they had been in the, in the presence of His majesty. And they had felt the magnitude of His life. And yet it is most interesting to me 
that these men never asked Jesus to teach them how to do any of those miracles or teach them how to do those outstanding things. But they did teach or they did ask him this question. Can you teach us how to pray? Why did they ask him of all things? Why not ask for miracles? Why not ask for authority? Why not ask for how to speak with authority? Why not ask for other things that would be uh, a much uh, more, it would seem a, a grander scale of things than prayer? It is because I believe that these men realize that behind the power, behind the authority, behind the miraculous, behind the wonder, there was something that made that possible. And they didn't want just one thing, they wanted all of it. And so the way to get all of it, if they had said, Lord, can you teach us how to do miracles? They might not have been taught how to use the word of authority or some of the other things that he had done in the present. And so when they said, can you teach us to pray? They realized that if they could be taught that, then they could encompass all of the things that they had seen in the ministry of Jesus. And so they asked him this most pertinent question. And in his answer, listen to me carefully, in his answer, they discovered the secret to not only power, but to life and to victory and to overcoming and to miracles and to wonder. To learn to pray is the secret of the overcoming life. And by way of this inquiry, he taught them how to pray. Everybody say how. Turn to your neighbor and say how. <laughs> how to pray. Not what to pray, but how to pray. Everybody say it again. How to pray. Say it again. How to pray. Not what to pray, but how to pray. He gave them not a prayer to repeat, but a prayer to model. Not to say these words of prayer, but to pray the principles of this prayer. And the power that they hungered for comes not in the saying of these words, but in the praying of this prayer. And we know it as the Lord's Prayer, but it is in truth the disciples. But more than that, it's a lesson in prayer. Actually, it is a pattern of prayer. And when we listen to it, it challenges us. When we listen to the prayer and we listen to what Jesus said, there's something about uh, that prayer that challenges us to a personal time with God. It challenges us to pray deliberately and to pray imaginatively and to pray even what we would call sacramentally, which means you join the Word of God with your life. You bring that Word into your life and you connect it. And what he teaches is that the power of prayer is not in the words that are spoken, but in the pattern of thinking 
get this, the pattern of thinking in which our minds are fashioned when we pray. When one's thoughts begin to flow in the pattern and the channel of this prayer, when your mind begins to work in the pattern of this prayer, when your thoughts begin to flow in the pattern of this prayer, then prayer becomes powerful and prayer becomes transforming and prayer becomes renewing. And when I read the prayer, personally, I see seven points. Now, seven is the number of perfection. That is the number of perfection. That is the number of completion. And that's God's number. But I read commentaries and they say that there are six points. Six is the number of man. And so I say, let's join those two concepts together. And in fact, that's what prayer is. It is joining God with man. It is linking and fusing together God's power with my problem. Prayer is uniting my poverty with His provision. Prayer is connecting His deliverance with my dilemma. Prayer is yoking His leadership with my limitations. Prayer is yoking His love to my lousiness. Amen. That's what prayer is. It is connecting God's world with man's world. It is, it, it is fusing God's power to forgive sin with my need for salvation. And so when you look at the prayer, it is utmost important that you look at the order of the prayer. There is a specific order of this prayer. And that is so critically important. Because if you get the order of the prayer mixed up, you're not going to enjoy the powerful benefits of the prayer. So everybody say order. There's got to be an order. There, there is an order to the prayer. And then second of all, it deals with three essential needs of man and the three spheres of time in which you and I live. It is powerful because it brings the whole of my life into the presence of God. The three basic needs of my life. It brings them into the, 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 the power and the presence of God. But more than that, if you understand prayer, prayer brings the power of God into your life. It is prayer that brings the whole of God into your life. It brings all that God is, all that He can do into my everyday world. And so there are three needs that are mentioned. First of all, it talks about bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Bread is the necessity of life. It is, the ne it is necessary for the maintenance of life. And so bread deals with the present. Everybody say the present. It, it deals with the right now. So when we pray, prayer brings the present things to the throne of God. 
the present needs, the present problem, the present irritation, the present uh, obstacles that we are facing. Prayer brings those into the presence of God. The second thing is mentioned is there our need for forgiveness. Everybody needs forgiveness. And forgiveness has to do with things that were past. Everybody say past. Yesterday. Those things that are behind us. And so when we pray, prayer brings the past into the presence of God. When I got to thinking about this principle, I realized the reason why many people struggle in living for God and why many people are limited in their walk with God and they struggle is because they try to hide their past rather than bringing their past into the presence of God. The only place where you can really deal with your past is in the presence of God and you do that through prayer. And so Jesus taught men how to reach back in the past and pull that into the presence of God and let God help you deal with it. Listen to me. If you don't learn anything else tonight, you better learn that when you pray, that's the privilege and the prerogative of prayer to bring your past your failures, your mistakes, your mess-ups, all of those things that you would like to hide. You don't need to leave them hidden. You don't need to leave them covered because they all come back and they all come out at the wrong time. And those skeletons come out of the closet if you don't bring them into the presence of God. But when you learn how to pray the way Jesus taught us to pray, you can bring those things into the presence of God and say, God, I don't know how to deal with them. I can't take care of them, but you can and God will. Amen. The third thing that it does is it asks for help in temptation. And that deals with our future, the unknown. Prayer helps us commit the future into the hands of God. Prayer helps us to leave the unknown in God's hands. And that is so very important. And so when you think of prayer, you've got to think about prayer in this regard. That prayer is a ladder. Everybody say a ladder. Prayer is a ladder. And the key to successful praying is knowing where to start or where to begin in prayer. And in the opening statement, Jesus sets the stage for the entire prayer and the rest of what is going to happen. And Jesus taught his disciples where you have to start when you pray. You start with our Father which art in heaven. You do not begin from the earthly and work your way up to the heavenly. But you begin in the heavenlies. And when you begin in the heavenlies, 
When you begin to make your way down that ladder, you bring the heavenly down into your problem. And you bring the heavenly down into your situation. And you bring the heavenly down into your need. The reason some of us are not praying the way we ought to is because we're always dragging our earthly in first. And then we're trying to get it up the ladder. God said that's not the way you pray. You've got to start at the top. You've got to get your mind completely saturated with me. My greatness, my power, my anointing, my presence, my goodness, my mercy. And when you get your mind filled with that, then you can work your way down to those things that are needful in your life. When one begins where Jesus advises, it connects us to our Father. It reminds us that we are not alone and it reminds us of whose we are. We belong to somebody. We are important to someone and it connects us to the family privileges and it reminds us of our origin and our purpose and it reminds us lastly what we can expect from our Father. When one is not really ready to pray, until his mind is filled with God and until his mind has been possessed by the thoughts of God, his efforts in prayer are fruitless and powerless. And so four times in the beginning of this prayer, God directed their mind to him. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come Thy will be done. Four times God tries to get your mind elevated and get it up from the earthly and get it into the realm of the heavenly and the powerful. And there let your mind be saturated with the glory and the majesty of God. And when you get into that kind of setting... When you start coming down into the human frailties and the human problems of life, all of a sudden you realize, hey, this isn't nothing for God. This isn't a problem for God to take care of. This is not an impossibility. This is just another way to God for God to show Himself strong in behalf of His people. Praise God. Hallelujah. Our weaknesses, our failures, our troubles, our trials, our tests, our frustrations suddenly began to pale in comparison to the power of His strength. And from there and from where we begin, we work our way down. And when we pray like that, when we do that, we bring God into every avenue of life. We bring Him into every problem. We bring Him into every need. We bring Him into every desire. We bring Him into every hurt. We bring Him into every failure. We bring Him into every frustration. We bring Him into every aggravation. When we pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And then we get down to this earthly realm. Give us this day our daily bread. When you finally get to that point, you realize, hey, God, you're big enough to take care of this. This isn't a problem for you. 
You've done greater things than this. My Lord, you just spoke and the world came into existence. You just spoke and stars went into their place. You just spoke and fish filled the sea. You just spoke and trees filled the forest and all of the animals that filled the forest. And God, if you could do that with just your word, what can you do right now with this little old problem I've got in my life? Amen. Sickness, disease, financial problems. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he owns all the gold that's under the hills. And you're worried that he can't help you get through what you're going through? You need to learn how to pray the way Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, and when you start there, you, you bring that glory down in to your everyday world. And man, when you do that, hmm, no wonder the Bible said all things are possible to him that believe it. Perhaps that's why some never feel the power of God in their needs and weaknesses. Because they're starting from an earthly perspective. And when we do not begin prayer with a heavenly perspective, we are always going to be frustrated with the outcome of our prayer. When we pray like Jesus taught his disciples to pray, it helps us with perspective. Everybody say perspective. The most often needed element in life is perspective. Everybody say it with me, perspective. You know, the truth is that Five days from now or five years from now, whatever it is that has you baffled right now, you won't even remember it. But right now, it's consumed your whole mind. You can't even think about the next day because of what's going on right now. What you need is perspective. What you need is the ability to see farther than your natural eye can see. And when you're surrounded by trouble, it's hard to see anything but trouble. When you're living with turkeys, it's hard to see anything but turkeys. Am I not telling you the truth? And so what we need is perspective. And Jesus taught these men how to pray so that they could get perspective on life. So that they could, they, they could see life from a different way. They were limited. They were blind. They were baffled. And when you are in the midst of those things, it's hard to not see anything but those things. But praying this way gives dimension to your life. And it gives a measure. It brings factors into play. That you didn't, you didn't think about or you didn't count on. How many times have you worried a, 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 a wart on your brain trying to figure something out and somebody else comes along that's not obsessed by the problem and they say, well, have you thought about, and you think, oh my word, I hadn't even thought about that. All you needed was a little perspective. All you needed was for somebody that wasn't so absorbed by the problem that that's all you could see was the problem. And that's why Jesus told his disciples how to pray. You've got to start 
with the right perspective. And when you start there, you can begin to see things in the way I see them. And they're not impossible. They just need to wait their time or they're on their way or they're in the process of being done. Somebody said amen. Measurement. Everybody say scope. Prayer gives you scope. It, it brings possibilities. It adds room, capacity, and choice. And when we pray like this, we gain a better viewpoint and we gain a better outlook and we gain a better angle on life and we have better evaluations of life. Do you know how many times have we said, God, I can't take any more of this. You know what? God don't want to hear that. He knows what you can take and what I can take. He knows what we can't handle. He knows what our load limits are. And he said, I will not put more on you than you can bear. So God don't want to hear me saying, I can't take it anymore. The truth is, when I pray the way Jesus taught his disciples to pray, it brings other things into play. And I begin to evaluate things and I begin to get a better take on life. Because if some of us were to have to base life on the way we're feeling right now, we would just write stinks. Rotten. Some of you might put something worse than that. Yeah. If life was based on how you felt right now and what you were thinking right now, lost. That's why you need to know how to pray. Because prayer can get you high enough that you can see things a little differently. And it's amazing when you pray like that. And you come out of that kind of prayer meeting, how you have a different take on life. How many times have people been ready to give up, but they went to prayer one more time. And they went to prayer that one more time, and somehow they did what Jesus taught. They started high. And when they got to praying, they realized that they hadn't seen all there was to see about life. Oh, God, help us get some perspective. When we pray the way he taught us to pray, we connect to a name. Everybody say a name. A name speaks of authority and power and ability and might. And certainly we need our minds filled with the knowledge of who it is that we're praying to. He can do anything. Amen. Nothing is impossible with him. And nothing shall be impossible. And not only does it connect us with His name, but it connects us to a kingdom. That's important. For thine is the kingdom. Somewhere we have to realize that there's something greater than us in our problems. If all we know is our little world, God bless you tonight, if all we know is our little world, That's a poor world to live in. Amen. But he said uh, something about thy kingdom come. There's something bigger here than us. There is a kingdom 
And that kingdom implies rule. And there is a ruling authority at work. And that means that there is a plan at work. And not only is there a plan at work, there is a purpose at work. So that means that even though I may think it is not true that the world is just a world of chance and accident and luck of the draw. You know, some people just have it and some don't. He said, thy kingdom come. Everybody say, thy kingdom come. Praise God. Man, you guys are just either absorbing this or you've checked out already. Thy kingdom come. Amen. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. I I need my eyes enlarged to realize that this is more than just about me. It's more than just about me. There is a divine purpose at work. And there is a divine plan at work. And there is a divine destiny for us. And we need to be reminded of that. And when we pray the way he taught his disciples to pray, that happens. We realize that we're part of a kingdom that has no end. The Bible says of him that the government shall be upon his shoulders. And of that kingdom, there shall be no end. The, the world that you and I live in is going to melt and it's going it's to pass away. But the kingdom of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God is going to be forever. That's what I need to stay connected to, not the temporal. My life is not based on the gold standard of this world. My life is not based on the stock market. My life and happiness is not based on whether my stock goes up or it goes down. I'm not basing my happiness on my 401k or 4201k. What I'm basing my happiness on is that all of that's going to vanish and pass away. But there's going to be something that's going to last forever. And whatever I do, I make sure that I'm connected to that world more than I am connected to this world. And somebody said, Amen. I'm not against 401ks, whatever those are. I don't have one, but I'm not against them. Amen. I'm not against you saving money. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there are some people that all of their life is wrapped up in what they have. And if their stocks go down, my Lord, they go into deepest depression. They, they're about to commit Harry Carey. They're about to commit suicide. They panic. They freak out. They, 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 they go off the deep end and do crazy things. The fact is, you know what? God knows how to take care of you. He doesn't overlook... I'm I'm not advocating stupidity or any of that. I'm not advocating being foolish. What I'm saying is that you can put all of your trust in that. And all of that's going to crumble. And all I don't care how much you hope the economy is not going to stay up forever. Like it or not, President, it don't matter who it is, our government's going to crumble. There is going to be a battle one of these days that's going to decide the end of all things. 
And when all of that's said and done, I want to be connected to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen. That cannot be shaken. For thine is the kingdom. Or, or he, said, uh, he, he said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Everybody say, thy will be done. I'm going to close right now. Some of you need me to close right now. Thy will be done. Everybody say, thy will be done. That unites me to the will of God. The will of God is the acts of God. And by that, I mean the determinations of God. What God decides and determines to do, that's what the will of God is. It is the resolve of God. It is the spirit of God. It's the force of God. It is the mind of God. It is the strength of God. It is the reason of God. When we pray, thy will be done. Thy will be done. We are praying, God, be God in my life. God, be God over my family. God, be God over my finances. God, be God over my future. God, be God over my past my present, all of the needs of my life. It helps me understand that God is sufficient. The first four things of that prayer, direct your mind to nothing but Him so that when you get to the next stage of this prayer and you start down into the human element, the daily bread, the failures of the past, the unknown of the future. Oh, by the way, the way people treat you and how you handle the way people treat you. What to do when people hurt you. Forgive us our what? Our debts. What? Come on, folks, don't stammer now. Help me. Forgive us our debts as... We forgive our debtors or those who are indebted to us. Those who owe us something. If you don't get it right to start with, you're never going to be able to figure out how to deal with all of that. You're, not gonna, you're never going to be able to figure out how to deal with the present and the past and the future. So what you'll do is you will hide the past and you'll ignore the future, and you'll just live in the present. And there's a lot of people that are living like that right now. They don't want to look ahead, and they certainly don't want you going back. And then there are other people who can't live in the present, and so they escape to their past, and they live back there, blinded to what God's doing right now and what God wants to do. That's not a good way to live either. And then there are some people who don't want to talk about the past and they act like they're not even in the present. All they can talk about is the future. And that's not a healthy way to live. You can't, you can't succeed in life that way. But when you learn how to pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
all of that stuff begins to connect together. Thy will be done. And you bring all of that down into the earthly realm. You're not afraid to deal with the past. You're not afraid to live in the present. And you're not afraid to deal or look to the future. Because you know that there's enough help. There's enough power. There's enough glory. There's enough God to help you with all of that. Amen. God, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray in such a way that we would connect your world with ours. Amen. Instead of us trying to drag all of our stuff, <clears throat> this is how most of us pray. This is our, these are our issues. And so this is where we start prayer with our issues. And we drag all this stuff with us. And we're trying to get up to where God is. Jesus said, that's not how you start prayer. This is how you start prayer. You start up here in the heavenlies. You start up here where there's perspective, where you can see better. And then as you work your way down, you can get down to those things. And by the time you get down to these and you've been up there, you realize that this ain't nothing for God. What have I been worried about? And it's not hard to give it to God then. But you know when it's hard to give it to God? When you're dragging it and you're trying to come from this perspective and go up. It's hard to give it to God like this. Oh God, man, I'm, I don't know. I just, I'm so used to carrying it. I'm so, I'm so used to it. It's part of me. Amen. Let's stand together. Praise God. God, teach us to pray.